You're listening to the Taming Hinges podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast. Real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. Hi, my name is Phil, and I am the host and creator of the Taming Hindrances podcast. And as the intro has told you, this podcast is all about talking in the realm of mental health and self-awareness. Mental health and self-awareness is something that has been at the forefront of my mind for quite a bit of time now. And my own experiences are, I would say, at this point, far-reaching and quite diverse. I like to say that people are my business. That's what I do. Uh, A little background on me to get started, as this is the intro episode. I have done a plethora of things. Uh, I've had multiple jobs. Um, I have worked in many different industries, uh, specifically in the service industry for quite a long time. And currently, I am a licensed massage therapist. In this time frame of my work experience, I've come across quite a deal of different people. I've seen people from every different culture in my jobs. I've talked to people from, you know, places far and away. And I've also been ingrained in the activity of a small community as well. So I Although I have not traveled a great extent and I wish to do so in the future, I've collected enough information, I feel, that I can say I'm not an expert, but I'm well-versed in humanity as a whole. In doing this, I've spent a great deal of time trying to work out who I am as a person while at the same time trying to figure out what humanity is and why we exist. I wouldn't call myself that much of a deep thinker or really an expert in anything to the greatest extent that an expert is someone I believe that takes 10,000 hours to become an expert of something. And there's different definitions out there, but I have done martial arts and other experiences that have shown me mastery is something that is attainable. And I would say I have attained mastery, not over just myself, but my interactions with others. It's taken me a very long time to come to the conclusion of who I am and or want to be. And I think that is a blatant statement you can make about just about anyone. It takes time. The majority of this podcast was meant in the beginning phases to represent my road to suicide. I have been suicidal far as I can remember. Um, I can remember I get a little mixed up with my childhood just because of dates and times and there was a lot going on and I really wasn't paying attention to like what year it was or how old I was. But I'm going to hazard a guess somewhere around 11 or 12, I became very aware that I was this thing known as suicidal. 
uh, uh, there was a member in my family who committed suicide. Um, I will say allegedly, but that's a different conversation. But I am, I am very aware of that moment of realizing, oh, there was some commonalities between this person and myself. And not only that, but the reaction of the individuals around me became very apparent that this is something they were seeing in me as well. So I would say my depression took hold at a very young age. I come from a troubled home. I had a broken family. la di da di da di da Just, you know, make the story up as you want. Was my life terrible? No. Was it tough? Yes. And that can be a game we can get into at any point in time with anyone. You can always play the game of whose life's worse. And people love playing that game. The reality is it doesn't fucking matter. If you had a shitty home life, you had a shitty home life. You get to own that. You get, you know, the, the definition of it is yours. So throughout my experiences coming from, you know, a troubled home, not a great childhood, I, I sought other things. Specifically, I sought out the mysteries to life. And in doing so, I was quickly reminded of this just general building hatred inside of myself. And that is what led me to my realization that I wasn't just actively suicidal at some times. I was seeking suicidal tendencies. My depression took on a very strange amalgamation of correlation to mental health aspects, but also self-awareness aspects. I was seeing the world through this depression. And in the realization of this in my later life, I came to the conclusion that everyone's depressed. Everyone has mental health. Mental health is just a description of the health of one's mind. We don't necessarily have correct vocabulary yet to talk about these things. But I can tell you from my personal experiences, be them anecdotal as they are, I find there's a commonality that unjustly happens. It's the statement that I understand. Because the real truth is, no, you don't. And no... I don't. I don't understand your depression. It is so uniquely who you are, might as well be your fingerprint. It is how you see the world. Your mental health terrain, if we want to call it, you know, something along those lines, is it's how you see the world. It's like rose-colored glasses. What color are the glasses you wear? How do you see the world? This, I think, can be defined through one's depression. And that led me to the next piece. So not only do I think that everyone has some sort of mental health aspect in their life, because yes, mental health is a thing. It's the health of one's mind. And just like a physical body, it can have its own ailments. But beyond that, 
there's the statement that no, you cannot understand it. It is so uniquely ingrained into who someone is that the the statement should not be I understand. You can sympathize, absolutely, absolutely. There can be empathy and sympathization, certainly, and there can be conversation, which is another part. But the conversation has to change. And it has to change in the direction that I later came to find, which was we have to remove the negative connotation of depression and mental health. If the conversation starts, I'm depressed, and the normal social reaction is, oh, you're fucking broken, I don't want to have this conversation. Then there's something wrong with that conversation. We've given the connotation to depression that it's bad, it's negative, it's horrible. It's this deep, deep circling abyss that just swallows people up and there's no getting them back. And on top of that, there's also the argument that mental health in and of itself, that conversation, has a negative connotation. The Western world has defined mental health as a bad thing. All conversations of, along the lines of mental health start from, oh, here's how to better your mental health. So we're starting from a position of you're already, you're already broken. You're already fucked up. You're already, you know, you have to get better. You are ailing. You are sick. Well, we've done this with everything. So what's the difference to do it with mental health, right? We just consider the populace to be sick and ailing at all times and they need help. Well, that's not true. We have this little thing in the medical community known as homeostasis. Homeostasis is a natural environment for your body to be in when everything is just kind of hunky-dory. It's just, it's working the way it's supposed to. Things are going the right way. We have the right vitamin balances and hormonal balances. The cardiovascular system's working. We're getting blood flow. We're breathing. Also part of homeostasis is a, a mental well-being aspect of just like, okay, yeah, things are, you know, they're not great maybe, you know, but they're not terrible. Like it's homeostasis. It's right in the middle. It's right where we're, you know, supposed to be. Everything's kind of quote unquote healthy. We don't come at problems in the Western world like that. That's not how we look at them. We look at them from the aspect of, no, it's, it's something wrong. Let's let, here's how I can fix it. Well, I don't believe in that. I believe you can help people get back to homeostasis. Absolutely. That's the entire medical industry itself is created to do so. And due to the hippocampus oath of do no harm, that's generally practiced. But as far as mental health and depression, there is this, this, uh, I don't know even a word yet to call it a stigma, uh, a connotation, a ingrained idea. I, 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 is it a social cueing situation? I'm not really sure. And I seek to find that out in some cases, but somewhere along the lines, we have given it this negative connotation. And I believe we need to remove that. I believe we need to take that off the table. We need to come at the conversation of self-awareness and mental health from a homeostasis aspect. Where's the midline? Where's middle of the road? Because if you can get someone to that point, or if someone can get themselves to that point even better, then there's a lot of ability to have change. It's so much harder to change something when it's already solidified 
in a corrupted idea. And corruption is rampant in just about everything we do as humanity at this point. But luckily for us, humanity can fuck off. You are an individual. You have an individual mind. We are not a collective. We do not work as a hive mind or any one of these other ideas. We do have some social aspects and, you know, we create forum and discord and, and these types of things that are social community. But individually, you have thought. I think, therefore, I am. Well, this is an application to what's known as consciousness. And consciousness is the realm of self-awareness. So not only is this podcast about conversations regarding depression and mental health, a large aspect of it is something that I find I have found through my depression. Which is to say depression can be used as a tool. And what I found was self-awareness. I was able to look at the people around me and their interactions and the relationships I was watching them have and found awareness of myself through a lens of depression, a, a visual and auditorial and, and just almost every sense came through this, this lens or filtration system of my depression and how it interacted with the world, how I interacted with the world. And then I found I am depressed truly like as a creative medium, I was depressed. And then I started popping up in other places. All of these profound artists of history, profound philosophers and creators and the little story on the sideline of their mental aspects and their struggles and the problems they were having in the quote unquote mental health world. Well, I like to use Greek retroduction. And if you have never heard of Greek retroduction, I'd like to introduce it to you now. Greek retroduction is a method of finding answers or, or finding the most plausible, correct answer. Uh, some people use the Socratic method, but Greek retroduction as a whole is a philosophical way of eliminating all the BS. So right off the bat, if it's, if it's not plausible, we eliminate it. And then we might eliminate anything that's 50% plausible or less. And then we're left with what we consider in a rational mind, a rational way of thinking, plausible. Plausibility is typically directly related to direct correlation. And direct correlation can give us a very good understanding of what something might be or has a strong aspect towards. And I would say there's a direct correlation between the anguish someone is capable of going through and their capacity for creativity. And here's where I'm eliminating the negative aspect by using specific language and vocabulary. Depression and mental health are not anguish. But there can be a correlation to how much anguish someone is able to intake 
in those aspects. I've certainly been through anguish, been through pain. I've caused myself pain. I've sought pain. And in those times, I've done some of my most clear thinking. And I've gotten a general understanding of things that I may have never even thought about. Those moments are not unique to me. There are many creators throughout history and currently to this day using these pieces of themselves and the emotional awareness thereof to create something, to share something, to connect with another. It's very tough for me to connect with people on a deep level, on a very personal level. But I do believe that most people are connected in some way. There can be commonalities that are easily attachable to and conversation can start and happen. Not to say that you have to like everyone or everyone's great or everyone's bad. There's a very big gray area we just don't pay attention to. That being said, I guess I qualify as what's known as an ambivert. In a social situation, I do quite well. It does not become very deep, though. The topics I may discuss are very deep, but there is a bubble between you and my personal being. You are going to learn very little about me in a social setting. I prefer to be alone. I prefer to be introverted. I prefer to do deep reading and, and contemplate and just just do me. You do you, I'm going to do me. I used to say that all the time when I was a bouncer. You do you, I'm going to do me. Me at that time was, if you fuck up, you're going out the door. That's the answer. I don't need to hurt you. I'm not going to let you hurt me. I'm not going to let you hurt someone else. Going out the door. You do you. I'm going to do me. Most people did drunk them, have fun, all BS, blah, 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 blah. Some people, well, they need to go out the door. That's you do you. I'm going to do me. I had a job to do. I did my job. Was I great at it? No, not really. I was more accomplished as a bouncer in diffusing situations by confusing people. Because that's really easy to do. It's really easy to distract people. And through these experiences, such as bouncing and bartending and barbacking and waitering and working in a kitchen, doing construction, post-construction cleanup, the 2008 housing collapse, I was in 2009 through 2011-ish, somewhere around that time frame, dealing with the house repossession market, watching people lose their homes. I was serving evictions and cleaning out their homes after they had been evicted. Something it was just one of the jobs I got into. I've also lived in my car and been slightly homeless. I've had to take showers at work or use a hose in a landscaping job to clean off for the day. I've had experiences, but everyone's had experiences. So am I saying I'm special in any way? No. 
Have I learned a few things along the way? Yes. And should we share those experiences? Absolutely. One of the biggest things I've done with my life is study the mysteries. And if you're not familiar with the mysteries, they are widespread and rampant everywhere. So it's very tough to find correct correlating data. What I have found is that most secret societies, they're not, they're not great places to look for the information you're looking for. Not to say that they're in some way nefarious or have any major issues to them, but there's some things that you should be aware of when getting involved. I have been aware of, uh, of many things going through secret societies and then removing myself therefrom. It's not that I infiltrated these situations. I just generally seeking knowledge and I thought these places might be somewhere I would find it. You will hear me use repetition quite often. Repetition is the mother of all skill. Failure is its father. I like to fail. I spent an entire martial arts career failing. It taught me a lot. In failing and finding knowledge, I became aware of what's known as wisdom. And wisdom is the differentiation is wisdom is knowing where to look for an answer and knowledge is the answer itself or the repetitive fact you can there give. So you will hear me say that quite often. Wisdom being where we find knowledge, it becomes a scholar's or a philosopher's duty to, to culminate or, or to give themselves the tools to find good wisdom, good knowledge of where to find an answer. I can tell you secret societies hit or miss. I was part of a secret society as a martial artist and I was also uh, a Mason for a time. They're political organizations. Most, and, and from conversations with others that you get to have when you're in these societies and they start to trust you and they tell you about other things they do or other, you know, organizations that are a part of, it's hit or miss. And most of them are some sort of grooming process to weed out people that are not interested and then to find people who will support the organization. Again, is there nefarious things behind it? No, the martial arts community that I was a part of that had a secret organization behind it was all about upholding the history of that organization and, and the reality behind those martial arts. And it was a, it was a large group of martial arts. I may get into it in the future. It's not, it's not really necessary here. The Masons was the lowest ends of the Masons is a, is a grooming situation to see if you are going to want to be a part of an organization that upholds itself. Do they do a lot of charitable work? Absolutely. Do they have a lot of secrets? Sure. It's not a secret society. It's a society with secrets. And did I get to the, all the way to the top? No, because I'm not a follower. It just, it's not something I do. I, I'm, I'm not big on following people. I'm not to say that you shouldn't. I mean, there's certainly people I have like not followed, but like I will go and use them as a good point of wisdom. There's good answers to be found there. The Masons were not one of those. Their library was. <laughs> Did I have easy access to it? No. Was I able to attain quite a bit of library material and be able to do some research? Absolutely. That's one of the things that you, you, you're you given the access to. 
Not to say you can't find that somewhere else if you look hard enough, but I digress. The reality is I'm no longer seeking to attain suicide. It might be said that I maybe am seeking to attain enlightenment because for those of you who have never heard this before, enlightenment is the attainment of death. Enlightenment is death. Some, some have mistreated and called it the death of ego, but that's incorrect. I would, has, uh, I, I would, I would ask you to go and listen to Alan Watts, uh, a British philosopher who knows quite a bit about Zen and did quite a bit of teaching about it as well. To eliminate the ego is to eliminate oneself. Ego is the is you. You you are ego. You, that is your your conscious state of controlling a human system. So enlightenment, if it's known as the death of ego, then it's the death of oneself. It's the death of the being. So enlightenment is the the route to attaining death. It's the, it's the journey to attaining death. As much as I am seeking enlightenment, I've also come to realize that there are some pieces along the way that we don't know a lot about. And that's why I've studied the mysteries and looked for the mysteries and gone from everything from the ancient Egyptian teachings, Hermes Trismegistus, Thoth, all the way out to alchemy and there's a correlation there and then bounced around to the Eastern philosophies, specifically when I was taking um, martial arts. And then from there, I've come back to the Western world and found different pieces in, in this webbing of good information, bad information, bad translation, lies, deceit, obfuscation, all sorts of different things. In doing so, I've just incorporated a lot and not share a lot. And I hope now I can maybe start sharing because I do find that when you give, you receive. We call this balance. It's one of the great mysteries and it's found in almost every one of the schools of mystery is the teachings behind balance. There's a whole set of canonical writings in both the greater and lesser canon of, of Buddhism specifically designed to give a general outline of how balance works. Further into that, you can get into Jainism, which is essentially a religion that is based completely on and very specifically, I might add, focused on karma. And in there, you will learn that the differentiation between karma and what we call karma is vast. We often use karma incorrectly, uh, specifically in the Western world. Karma is all-encompassing over multiple lives because it is based on the reincarn reincarnation system. Dharma is what you experience in your everyday life. When someone cuts you off in traffic and, or, you know, your evil boss drops their coffee on them. Those things are Dharma. So there are lessons to be learned in all these different things. But what I did 
during this time of realization was come to a very grand conclusion that anecdotally, I believe reincarnation is probably the closest answer using Greek retroduction. I've eliminated all other things and come to the conclusion that, you know what? This reincarnation thing looks pretty plausible or at least some sort of idea of something after physical mortal death, after the mortal coil, the mortal shell is husked off, is, is removed from the system. There is something left. We call this consciousness and every aspect of scholarly search is based in some way looking for what consciousness is be it from the schools of meditation to quantum physics. There's a seeking of a definition or understanding of consciousness, which has led me to the idea that consciousness is pervasive. It's, it's never ending. You cannot destroy energy. Thus consciousness is some sort of quote unquote energy controlling structure that allows us to use the human systems in which we are in, but does not disappear when that human coil, that mortal coil dies, really stops working. So if that's true, then there's the possibility that we could inherit another system or something further happens with that consciousness. I've seen enough anecdotal evidence for myself and experienced enough weird shit in my life to come to the conclusion that, yeah, it's, it's probably pretty possible that reincarnation is a thing. What does that mean for me? It means my entire living structure based in the idea of finding a beautiful, perfect suicide or at least one that I was going to be, I don't know, happy with. If that was a, a statement I could make, I guess that is a statement I could make a suicide that I felt was righteous or it just fit me. Well, it's pointless. All it's going to do is kill the mortal coil. All it's going to do is des- destroy this body. That's it. That's all it would have done. Which just means I'd have to go through this, or at least the possibility, a good plausible possibility, that I would have to go through this shit again. And I don't fucking want to. I'm done. I get to be done. So I have, well, very limited pathways. I have to, one, figure out what consciousness is, how to stop reincarnation and become very aware of those things, which is what I've been doing the entire time, studying the mysteries and all these other things, or attain mortal immortality for now to fend off as long as possible the possibility of reincarnation. Well, that's the one I seek now. So really, I've done a lot to make myself healthy. And through massage... I learned a lot about the human body. 
Through martial arts, I learned even more. I've studied traditional Chinese medicine in some degree, apothecary work, the human system through anatomy and physiology, medical journals, my own practice as a massage therapist, sports medicine, all sorts of things that I've just dived into in an attempt to fend off aging. Because if I die, there's that possibility I have to do this all over again, and I don't want to. So instead of this podcast being my road to suicide, I had to come up with a a new adventure. But I knew I had come up with these ideas I really wanted to put out there, and that is depression is not a negative. Get rid of the negative connotation of depression and mental health. Stop, stop starting the conversation in a negative. In doing so, learn that depression can be used as a tool, and so can mental health. And specifically, one of the great things that can come from it is the practice or cultivation thereof of self-awareness. We can cultivate self-awareness using mental health as, a, as a, a foundation, just like we can cultivate athletic performance by using our physical system as a, as a foundation. If the physical system is not healthy, athletic performance is going to suffer. So you get into this mind, body, energy, all these different things. And I've studied quite a bit of them. That's why the podcast is unlimited. The focus, self-awareness, number one, depression, mental health, and the connotation thereof. But the conversations are limitless. It's unending. From what the person down the street from you goes through on a daily basis of interaction and their job, home life, and all these other things to what celebrities have to deal with on a regular basis. These are all conversations that could happen because everything encompasses self-awareness and mental health. It's, it's, it's all encompassing. Not only that, but tarot, divination, past life regression, Physical health, sleep deprivation and sleep problems, anxiety, how we solve these things. Asking different questions. There's so many different topics that can be discussed, which is why everything's on the table. Because that's how you have to start. You have to start with everything on the table. That's what Greek retroduction starts with. The the Socratic method starts with Everything's fucking possible. Okay, wait. We have all right, physics, math. Here's the sciences. Here's the, here's the things we know are true. Okay, so we can eliminate this. We can eliminate that. We can... And then... You, but you have to start with everything. You have to. That's part of the method. And methods work as long as you use them inside their systems. So that's what the podcast is about. I hope to share my 
story in some way to a degree that maybe it's helpful. And I hope you come along for the ride. And if you do, great. If you don't, that's fine too. I'm not here to impress anyone. I'm not here to be an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm not a medical professional. I cannot give medical advice. I'm not a financial advisor. I cannot give financial advice. I do not give anything without this specific clause. Take everything I say with a grain of salt and do your own research. Until you can describe it in your own words, you don't understand it. That's just how it is. If you just take the headline from the news article, it's a good basis to start your research from. Maybe it'll give you an idea where to look, find some wisdom. Maybe it'll give you a knowledge piece. But if that's your information structure, you failed. You're not explaining it in your own words. You're simply memorizing and rereading and regurgitating a snippet, someone else's opinion. It's not fact. Not even fiction of that. It's not nonfiction or fiction. It's neither. It's just, it's just an opinion. So until you look at it further in your own lens of mental health, information gathering and language and relation, all these different things, you don't understand it and nor should you let it affect you. It is totally fine to tell things to stay at bay, stay over here until you can get a better understanding thereof. And sometimes that takes tough thinking and some troubled ideas or some pain or, and again, I'm not a professional, so I'm not saying you have to do these things. I'm just an idiot on the internet giving you my opinion. And it's probably worth nothing. But hopefully, you'll be able to give it worth. I've read a lot of things in my life that didn't mean shit at the time, but became very, very, very effective in the situation when I applied it correctly. I know what an umaplata is. Do you think I'm ever going to use an umaplata? An umaplata is an arm bar using the legs. It's, or a Kimura, or all these other different techniques of martial arts that I've learned over the years from different arts and different systems, tonsils, bonsils, umaplatas, kimuras, rear naked jokes, gouging, small tissue manipulation, joint manipulation, all these different things, throws, marry the hip. It's all just bullshit until you learn how to apply the application to yourself. That's the most important part. And that's where I hope to change some of the wording that people use for questions. Stop asking why, stop asking how and what. And just different ways of thinking. The reality is self-awareness comes from thought. You must think. I think, therefore I am. We can put holes in that as much as we want. You can put holes in anything if you really feel like it. The think, therefore, I am is metaphoric. It's philosophical. It's break it down. I think, therefore, I am. I think. Think. 
think to me stands for Taming Hindrances and Neurokinetics. That's why this is the Taming Hindrances podcast. Taming Hindrances also has to do with the five hindrances from Zen teaching. But that wasn't where I first learned it. And maybe in the future I will cover that. But hindrances are things that stop action. Stop progression. They stop things. They hinder them. But hindrances are not impossible to get through. That's the differentiation between a full stop and a hindrance. A hindrance slows you down. It harasses you. It it it, it just it makes it harder. It it's something you have to get through. Those are hindrances. They stop certain things from happening or they make it more difficult or, but you can get over them. You can work through hindrances. So taming hindrances and neurokinetics. Neurokinetics is a fun way of saying thinking. So that's what the taming hindrances podcast is about. And hopefully it will get you to think. It's really the only thing I ask for. I ask people to think. Don't let me do the thinking for you. I want you to think for yourself. I want people to start thinking for themselves. It's very important we do this as a society. Societies collapse when the populace stops thinking for themselves and allows others to think for them. Because when you do that, you give up control. You give up sovereignty of yourself. You are no longer your own sovereignty. You no longer have moral and ethical definition. You no longer have control of yourself. So you must think. You must think. You have to. I think, therefore, I am. I think, therefore, I have sovereignty of myself, my mind, my actions, my philosophy, my ethics, control of my body, control of, of who I am, what I want to become what I don't like, what I do like. You must think. And no one's ever taught you how to do it. No one's taught you how you think. The education systems have failed you. And you were left in this world of bleakness and unabashed possibilities with no direction. Maybe someone would define their depression that way. Who knows? I quite often find people are left with a feeling of repressiveness. It's too much information. I don't know where to start. I don't understand. Again, connotation of negativity. Because we've taught you to be that way. We've taught you to be meek. It's no longer time to be meek. It's time to think. And by thinking, we can become. I think, therefore, I am. By thinking, we allow for a much grander representation of possibility that humanity isn't useless. Because as we are right now, I feel like we're a failed experiment. 
but it's not, it's not the majority's fault. It's not that it's a lack of information. It's a lack of thinking. So we must think we must not to become happy go lucky. I'll never be a happy go lucky person to be content, to find homeostasis, to find the middle ground. And some middle grounds can be called rock bottom. You know why? Because rock bottom is the most solid ground you can stand on. And when you get there, you know there's only one way up. Or you can build a nice little platform at the bottom of the cave. It's just a little bit off the ground and a little bit more comfortable. And that way when the rain comes, the water doesn't get you wet. That's possible too. But in order to do so, we must think. So this podcast is really at its very core aspect designed to present things that will make someone think or give them new perspectives or new ways of thinking about something or ask questions that aren't just a why, but more of a how, a what. And to propagate some sort of better vocabulary or understanding vernacular, if you will, of self-awareness, depression, and mental health, and how we can use those as a tool to not better ourselves in some specific way, but to garnish a, or garner a better understanding, a better interaction, I should say not understanding a better interaction with ourselves because understanding oneself is a lifelong process. Interacting with oneself is much easier to learn. It's much more of a technique than a concept. So I hope that this podcast will help you interact with yourself and I hope you'll interact with this podcast. There must be balance, right? It's one of the mysteries I told you exists. So I appreciate you listening Come along for the ride. Let's see what we can figure out. And you'll hear me say this quite often. Repetition is the mother of all skill. Failure is its father. So hopefully we'll fail along the way a little bit and we'll learn some things. Take care. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. Now go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.